0: Plant blindness, it's a term recently coined for our tendency as humans to not know the names and properties and characteristics of the flowers around us and the plants themselves. A lavish new book from Te Papa Press called Flora, celebrating our botanical world, attempts to cure us of this affliction. It's brought together examples of flora from our national collection, and it's been selected by curators across the fields of art, design, history, photography, fashion, and of course, botany. And one of those curators is Dr Rebecca Rice. She's a curator in historical New Zealand art, and Rebecca has a rather interesting line of research. It's the 19th century female botanical artists in New Zealand who arguably haven't had the attention they really deserve. Rebecca, am I right in thinking that your parents were a botanist and an artist respectively?
1: They definitely each had those respective talents, yes.
0: that, That was their professions or what they did?
1: So my mother trained as a botanist. She studied botany at university. And she was meant to be doing her PhD in botany, but had my older brother instead.
0: Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. So she never went on to a career in it?
1: She shifted into another direction. So she ended up in teaching and specialising in agriculture and horticulture. Ah. So she actually developed the curriculum for those two subjects in, what would it be, the 1980s.
0: And was she an artist as well? So
1: this is or, funny I mean, thing. do you have
0: to be an all-botanist a, a yeah, botan- well, <laughs> artist, really? Did they start drawing as the, part of the way they come to love botany?
1: Yeah, so my father was the creative, artistic one, and my mother was the scientist, in inverted commas. <laughs> Dad had uh, loved art at high school, wasn't really um, an academic person in that context growing up, but was always doodling. So I think he's just—he's always happiest when he has a pencil or a pen in his hand and he will draw his ideas out, uh, mostly along the lines of some kind of automobile because he's also a passionate car person. Right. Uh, so he started off as a sign writer in department stores <laughs> in the days when you actually had yeah. made all those beautiful signs. Like McCann used to do.
0: Yeah. That's
1: right, exactly. Um, and painted as a hobby. So when I was little, I had like the father that we would go on little sketching trips together nice. and the mother that would make a walk in the bush take an hour instead of 10 <laughs> minutes because you're stopping every few seconds to observe some little detail in the foliage.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. So it's funny that you've come to this place where part of your research is around these early female botanical artists. Uh, were you always interested in this sort of work or is it just kind of somewhere you've your nose has led you to?
1: I think my nose has led me there, but it's interesting when you arrive in a place, Mark, when you look back and see all those little, little tendrils in your upbringing that have led you to a point of interest in your practice. Um, I think specifically as well, I was a little bit challenged maybe about... 2015 when I attended a Histories of Science symposium at Victoria University and the wonderful Kate Hannah stood up at the end of this two to three day symposium and said I've been listening to all these you know wonderful papers about the history of science in this country but I've only heard woman mentioned this many times. Right. And so that made me think about the work that I was doing in the space of colonial New Zealand art and what I was doing to rectify that imbalance of representation in terms of how knowledge is created, shared, circulated through art in the 19th century.
0: So generally, we, we, we think of the colonial period as a period of the, the male painter, don't we?
1: We definitely do, and I think... And of the male scientist. And the male scientist, exactly. But women, were a lot more active than we've really given them credit for, and that's something I've been trying to kind of tease out through my research. And I think what's really interesting is that they tend to operate more in that space of the popularizing of knowledge. Yeah, They may still be contributing to the scientific discourse. And let's remember that botany is a, a discipline that is establishing itself in the 19th century as well. It's not a fully formed science yet.
0: Right, yeah. So
1: you've got these men that are working in this territory. Hector, the first director of the Colonial Museum, Haast from Christchurch Museum, William Colenso up in the Gisborne Way, um, all of these men who are part of this big network that's establishing the foundational kind of knowledge about botany in Aotearoa.
0: This is sort of, I mean, it's an interesting period because it does, it sounds like, you know, the development of botany and the whole colonial project was sort of quite parallel. It's like, I, I think I read the 1860s was sort of a period when. There was a lot of starting to be, quite a lot of growth in this this study of plants.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Hooker publishes, well, the first flora of New Zealand. But actually, the first flora published in New Zealand is by a woman called Emma Jones. It's a reasonably modest pamphlet which offers an introduction to the ferns of New Zealand. And this is something that I think people are completely unaware of because the history of science has been written on the backs of <laughs> males who have kind of written about the males and um the contributions of women have definitely been undervalued and So and how did how did she
0: come to do something so you know, fundamentally first.
1: So Emma had emigrated to New Zealand in the late 1850s. She ended up marrying a gentleman who was the commissariat uh, for the British Army during the New Zealand wars. But she was, when she was recovered kind of for botany in about 2012, Eric Godley wrote of her work that she was, quote, no mean botanist, it seemed. (laughs) So even though she's sitting there, you know, she acknowledges that she's drawing on Hooker, who was the kind of godfather of flora about this part of the world she is bringing her own observations to the descriptions and she is what I think is really interesting is in her introduction to that little flora she says that what has been written might not be accessible to the general public right so she is purposefully wanting to create something that general readers can use to identify the plants around them
0: because it's kind of interesting that you, you, one of the things that you, it comes out in, in this book, Flora, and one of your, and essa- what your essay is, you know, is of course to state the obvious connection between women and flowers that goes back, you know, the Roman god of mm. flora uh, and a history, you know, the names, <laughs> the, the female names, this kind of association, but it is almost to treat the woman as object rather than active actor with plants so that, you know, it's it's like the men study the women and they study the plants <laughs> rather than the women actually having this ability to be really familiar and close to them.
1: Yeah, yeah. So women were encouraged to study flowers to draw flowers because that was an acceptable pastime so it is part of that kind of gentlewoman upbringing is to study nature to become familiar with it and of course what we now understand is that women always knew a lot about nature about the natural world and were using yes. plants.
0: We well, think of wrong or and it's yeah. incredible growth in terms of its revival at the moment. Yeah, yeah. and
1: really acknowledging that reciprocity and the Relationship between humans and the natural world. So, I guess what the other thing that I've been trying to suggest, Mark, is that that relationship between woman and botany, woman as flower, uh, woman as nature, men as cultures—all those binaries, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Men as objective, woman as subjective. um, But what I'm when I look at their drawings, when I look at their watercolors, when I look at their texts, and when I kind of read them alongside each other, I offer. To our contemporary society that actually those binaries can be a positive thing. So what's traditionally been the kind of negative, less valued Mm. side is actually something in our contemporary moment that we can learn from. That what these women were observing closely in their drawings is that more intimate relationship with the natural world. That's not a bad thing. It's actually where we need to get back to as humans.
0: And they were publishing, right? They were. Yep. They were sort of doing that themselves or how 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 were they how, what was the, the nature of publishing in this colonial time for a, for a woman?
1: I think there's there's different levels. So you have women who obviously had a bit of means behind them. So Georgina Hitley, uh, her she was widowed. Um, she must have had some funds that could support her pretty much self-publishing her beautiful illustrated book, The in Native London, Flowers of New the Zealand. The Native Flowers of New Zealand. Yeah. Also, the only flora to have a French edition,
0: which yeah, is really interesting. It, 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 there's a, there's a, a, a reproduction of the, the, the cover in the book. It looks quite extraordinary.
1: It is. And I was just in Tahiti and uh, went into the storerooms of the museum there. Yes. They had a copy of it as well. Really? With a different coloured cover, but the same beautiful embossed front.
0: How many copies are there?
1: About 50. So, an incredibly rare. Rare book,
0: wow. as we call them in the museum.
1: What yeah. were you doing in Tahiti? Ah, uh, oh, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> a holiday, or, or no? It or was it one. was a, a book related to a eighteenth century tapa sampler that we hold Ooh. at Tapapa.
0: Oh, that sounds like a story for, for another story I for think good it's day. Another story. Well, let's go back to Georgina because she, she sounded like she was pretty resolute in the face of quite a lot of rejection, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so this is. The first kind of article I wrote about these, I I imagined what it might have been like for these women if they'd been able to address their letters to my dear Hector and my dear Hooker, because there's all (laughs) this voluminous correspondence between all of these men. So I was like, what would have been the situation for these women if they too could have partaken in that kind of discourse? But of course they couldn't at that time, so they had to establish their own supportive networks that would enable them to do the work they wanted to. So yeah, Georgina was trying to just get some money to travel around the country and study the flora in their natural environment, because she realised when she visited the collection at Auckland Museum that the dried specimens lost their colour. So suggestive, suggested, well, what would it be like if we had a beautiful colour-illustrated flora? Um, and part of doing that is seeing the actual plants to be able to accurately represent them. So Hector replies, I'm sorry, there's no fund available for that purpose. Um, and in the end, she does get some funds from the government to travel around and has this glorious I kind of think of it as a kind of woman's own adventure. She travels with her niece and they are just having a grand old time traveling over the Otera Gorge and <laughs> collecting plants and meeting people and having you know near death experiences with falling rocks and things so again, it's this wonderful personal narrative that sets the scene for her botanical drawings, for her botanical studies. That's
0: beautiful. I was really enjoying the work of Emily Harris in the book, Mm. speaking of of beautiful drawing. Was she the the writer as well, who was in Taranaki? Mm. Because we had Michelle Leggett on the radio here in RNZ talking about her Poetry book that was very inspired by her.
1: Absolutely. So Michelle uh, Leggett and also Catherine field Dodson are doing amazing research into Emily's work. Ah. And um, it's really exciting, again, to see that attention being paid to a woman and opening up their narrative in a very rich, complex way.
0: Of course, we still have botanical... Painting now, we have that the, the, there's a society here, but in a way, it does feel like it's the ultimate uncool topic.
1: So uncool, and I'm so going to be. I, I keep saying when I when I grow up, um, I want to be a, a cliched woman botanical <laughs> watercolorist. It's like my ultimate ambition. But well, maybe it can
0: maybe it's coming. It's going to come back, you know. Oh, it's it's hard, right? Have yeah. you
1: ever? I mean, you know, we've all dabbled in these various media, but if you want to pick a medium, that will really challenge you as an artist. I think watercolour is the one. <laughs> you can't make many mistakes.
0: I guess the other thing that we think of is I think people are, really don't think, and I think this is this this term plant blindness that's mm. mentioned in the book, we don't really think of New Zealand flora as having flowers. Mm. You know, we we don't have the big, bossy, you know roses and so forth and you know we we kind of think of the imported flowers rather than our own
1: that's right but the,
0: the, for, but these books we're talking enormous numbers i mean the, the Featon watercolors 134 yep. of new zealand flowers. there's a lot right they're
1: beautiful and that was exactly what they sought out to prove with the publication edward and Featon of their beautiful art album of new zealand flora was uh, to to yeah. dispel the myth that new zealand has no flowers. Yeah. Even my colleagues have said, oh, but you know, it's all just green. It's not.
0: And you have at To Papa a really interesting president because you have, you know, a former botanical artist who was, you, you were head of the botany area, I think, who was a woman. That's right. Did, um, Nancy Adams. Um, what, 40 books or something? An
1: amazing number of books. And again, I think she straddled that desire or that, that work of being both a scientist who was respected as a botanist But also, like, I remember those beautiful little spiral bound books that we used to carry around with us when we were exploring the natural world. And that was Nancy Adams. Um, So it was about popularizing and sharing, distributing that knowledge uh, rather than keeping it within the hallowed confines of the academy or the museum.
0: Wow, that's wonderful to be able to be remembering her with this. So Flora, celebrating our botanical world you are but one of so many people Mm. it's an extraordinary project just in terms of its breadth across all the different areas of Te Papa I was kind of interested to find out for you what that experience was like where you know you're in your art historical area but suddenly you're dealing with I'd imagine more thoroughly other departments in the museum
1: yeah, so we had a core editorial team that included uh, Claire Reno from history, Carlos Lenebach from botany, Isaac Tiawa from the Mataranga Māori team, and Rachel Yates, who has since left Papa, but from the Pacific Histories team. And we basically put the call out to the other curators and said, choose your top ten botanically related things uh, not so hard for the botanists obviously um, that a look really good because we want this to be a lush picture book but also that have a really good botanical story and then we had these wonderful sessions mark of like all the printouts all the story notes um, laying them out on the tables um, making executive decisions about what was in and what was out and then starting to play that wonderful game of what's going to make a really interesting page spread You will have noticed it's not really ordered in any particular way, but it's more about how the objects, the taonga, the paintings, the specimens kind of ping off each other and the the way that these juxtapositions open up different ways of thinking about the botanical world.
0: Well, it's a beautiful book. I learned a lot having a read of it. So um, congratulations, Rebecca. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. That's Dr. Rebecca Rice there. Uh, She's curator in historical New Zealand art at Te Papa.